The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, offering insights, wisdom, and counsel from the most respected CEOs. Here is the host of the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman with the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Today's guest is Leslie Deutsch, with, who's a managing principal with John Burns Research and Consulting. Leslie, how are you? I am good. Thanks for having me today. Oh my gosh, it's such an honor. You have such a long, impressive bio of, of work and experience. And so I wanted to start off with uh, your general thoughts on how you feel the real estate market's doing today. Sure. Um, so I, I spend a lot of my time in the real estate market on the housing sector. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit focused on that. But of course, it bleeds over to all the different other uh, sectors in, in, the, in real estate. Um, I, I think it's gone surprisingly well. So on, on the residential side, we had a huge rise in mortgage rates. We thought it would really slow the home building sector. The builders were very fast to adjust. Um, they've been buying down mortgage rates, and sales have been incredibly strong. Um, I, I work across the country, but most of my work is in Florida and across the East Coast. And I think it's kind of t- taken a lot of builders and a lot of people by surprise at how um, consistent the demand has been for new housing. Um, the I think the challenge we're facing today in the housing world is, is affordability. And so I'm watching that really carefully. And we're seeing a lot of kind of new migration patterns pop up when people can't afford living where they used to live and they're moving to other markets. So a lot of excitement, I think a lot of optimism. Um, but then again, there's a little bit of concern for that, for the affordability and, and where it's going. I think that's a really good observation. I first rough on the demand still being strong. That's obviously very helpful. And, you know, my world is predominantly retail. And I always tell people as residential goes as as retail goes. So people are buying and moving. That's a, that's a good thing. And so I, I agree with you there on the affordability side. It's tough. I, I serve um, on the Orlando housing authority board. And um, when I look at it, there's such a, strong needing policy of uh, conservatism as how they do things. And that's important because you're dealing with federal funds. On the other hand, the lack of ability to be nimble and move fast is, is very concerning. Like how are we going to get more at the scale of affordable housing really, really makes me nervous. And it's a, it's a problem. It's a tough one to get to. So I'm, I'm glad you're hitting on that. Um, yes. it, any other big picture observations? Um, let me think. No, no, I think I think what you're saying, and I, I believe in what you're saying, and it ties all back to I've been spending a lot of time now at this stage of the cycle looking at at demographics and and who's moving where and and what they need. Um, that's always been I, I spend a lot of time thinking about affordability. I, I I believe that the way to solve it is is a little bit through the market rate, except it's just too expensive to build right now. So I guess land prices are another one that we're watching really carefully, and we're um, they continue to go up because there's builders still buying land. So that's going to be another uh, another hurdle for the affordable market. Well, and I really liked what you said there about uh, uh, people being priced at certain markets. You know, I um, mm-hmm. my wife has family in Mississippi. And I grew up moving nine times. And so whenever once in a while, I think like, gosh, could I retire and move to a rural part of Mississippi? And my answer is yes, I could, you know, um, just because I feel flexible about where I could live in my life and things like that. The problem is, is that uh, would my kids ever come see me? Right. Like, you know, could that, how's, how's that, how's that part going to work? 
So there's definitely, there's that dynamic uh, to that. And, and then just accessibility to uh, different things too, like living someplace, but and the housing may be cheaper, but your uh, access to different resources, it becomes a challenge. So all that kind of comes together, right? No, it's true. Um, it, it's fascinating. I mean, watching it really carefully and, and maybe not moving as, as far as you say to, to rural Mississippi, but we see people, you know, I'm based here in Florida. So we see people moving from Orlando to, to Lakeland, to Daytona, right, to Melbourne. They're moving to these smaller markets where it's a little more affordable the work from home, the rise from work from home, at least flexible working where they can go in once or twice a week and not five days a week really allows you to do that. Um, but you're completely right. It's, it's, there is a big demand to live near your kids, near your grandkids, and that, that makes it a little more difficult for the real outlying areas. So we're, we're, it's a challenge for sure, um, and we're, we're looking at it. We're consistently, as part of my job, is looking at large pieces of land and where the path of growth is and where people will will move to in the future. So it's a big consideration. Absolutely. That's interesting. Uh, I love all that. I, uh, I own some property in Brevard County. We're working on some deals there. And so uh, I've looked mm-hmm. in different, different areas, all the areas you mentioned we've looked at and have purchased or, or probably would for the exact same reasons that you're saying. And, you know, it's funny to me is that if I can, you know, get up, uh, go look at a property and be back and there's still plenty of time to go to lunch you know, that's like a decent thing. Like I can deal with that. Whereas like, if I think about driving to Tallahassee and back, that's a whole different ballgame. We're trying to drive to Miami or I had a, actually one of our partners one time said, Hey, look at this deal in uh, the keys. Can you handle it? I'm like, bro, it's as easy to get to Atlanta as it is to get to keys. Like that's not same state, different world. Right. And so, Agreed. uh, when you were making your point, I was thinking to myself recently, I was driving to Brevard County for something and it's, it's not that bad. It's like an hour. And so if I, you know, was a person that was like, had a great, the lifestyle and bought the house I wanted and I had to come to Orlando two times a week, no problem, right? If it was five times, that would get kind of old. But if it was a couple of times, yeah, no, you can deal with that, right? So I think you make a really good point that part of that is that flexible working from home and, and and more flexibly that has allowed for more mobility too. Oh, it's very true. The whole region is sort of melding into one another, right? Melbourne's a little bit more the eastern shore of Orlando, if you will. And mm-hmm. and we're starting to see Tampa and Lakeland come together and Sarasota and Tampa. So in Florida, for sure, all these, these markets are kind of melding together. And it's it's a nice thing to see. It's it's progress, right? It's it's an exciting time. I've got a, a daughter that's a freshman at Southeast University in Lakeland. And so, um, you know, I'm, I always try to respect her space, of course, you know, but uh, I was just telling the other day, I'm like, hey, I'd love to come over and have lunch with you. And of course, the thought of driving to Lakeland and having lunch, that's doable. It's not the other world. I can do that. Right. My my other daughter is a sophomore at Palm Beach Atlantic University. And uh, when I first thought about her going to, you know, college in South Florida, a little concerned, but you know, it's two and a half hours. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, she's a theater major and she's in a show and my wife and I were trying to figure it out. My wife's like, well, let's just drive down and do the show and drive back. And I'm like, yeah, that's totally doable, right? So, you are you know, it's like, again, I don't mean to overly plug my daughters on my podcast. I'm not trying to get Lizzie, but you hear what I'm saying. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down, which is good. Um, we're going to yeah. take a break in a second. Any other final, like, okay. little interesting trends in the demographic world we should be thinking about? Um, I would I would watch the rise of the renters. There, you know, the rental market right now has has taken a little bit of a hit with the with the interest rates going up and and the financing environment a little tough. And there's been a lot of supply, but I think there might be some real legs to you know build for rent to apartments. And a lot of these markets that we've been talking about here are not 
um, serviced by rental communities. There's not enough of them yet. So I think I would watch that very carefully. It's, it's going through a little bit of a challenging time, but over the next couple of years, I think there's some real opportunities um, for renters as well as, as in the for sale side. I think that's a very interesting observation because part of it is, is like with the movement, you know, if you're building a house, right? Like you got to live somewhere where they're building it. And so renting right. before you build, I, I really get my brain around that one. Or again, if you're just you're re- relocating to a market, you get a new job and you're like, hey, I need to move to it right now. Maybe renting, you know, for a year before you, you know, buy something. All that makes sense. Right. So those are all. Or if you want to visit your kids, right, in rural Mississippi or down in Palm Beach <laughs> Atlantic, it'd be nice to have a, uh, it might have a, a place, you know, you can rent that has no maintenance because you're going to be moving near your kids, and that's going to be a big trend in the future as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like I like that that sector just as much. Yeah, no, that's interesting, and I also think that you know when people freaked out by interest rates going up, which obviously it, it hurt my world, and that's not fun. But from the historic perspective, it's not that bad, right? So. Right. Uh, people have a sort of sense of that. Okay. Well, listen, Leslie, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. And I want to ask you about your wisdom on thoughts about leadership. So we'll take a quick break and be right back. This is John Crossman. And I work with a lot of vendors in the commercial real estate industry. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite ones ever is my friends over at Construction Unlimited, Florida's premier roofing company. And they bridge the craftsmanship with the pinnacle of innovation. They're just one of the best groups because of the trust, the expertise, the quality, and my favorite part, they're really committed to the community. When you're thinking about roofing construction needs, keep Construction Unlimited at the top of your list. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Here's a call to those who want to make an impact on their company, their community, or who possess a desire to make the world a better place. Crossman Career Builders provides the tools and resources for you or your company to make a difference on some of the toughest issues that we all face. Crossman Career Builders partners with CEOs, politicians, and pastors seeking to address problems of racism, mental health, addiction, Justice and Suicide. CrossmanCB.com. Once again, here's John Crossman. All right, we're back here at the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. And Leslie, you know, in your world, you have certainly worked with a ton of CEOs. I got to imagine there's been lots of meetings where people bring you in as a consultant and they're like, we have this huge billion dollar project. What do you think? And all eyes are on you. And then you're giving them their feedback and they're making these huge, important financial decisions based on your research and and your wisdom. And so in those rooms, you're looking at all these different CEO type people. um, And some of them, I'm sure, have some traits that you've looked at and you go, wow, that's impressive. I admire that. And then other times you've gone, really? Oh my gosh, that's horrifying, right? So we have a lot of our listeners, our college students and young professionals. And so I always try to give a space to talk about what are the best traits in CEOs and leaders that young people need to be working on and thinking about? And since you have the perspective of working with so many high-profile people, what have you gleaned? What have you picked up? When you see these people, what are, what are the traits that you admire and think, boom, that's something important somebody needs to aspire to have in their, their toolkit? So I, I think one of the most important traits, I think there's probably two or three. The most important one, I would say, is that you, you want to have a – 
Well, it goes both ways, right? You, you want a CEO that, that listens, so a CEO that, that trusts you and that listens to what you have to say. But in order to get to that point, you always have to come prepared. So, you know, in my, in my business, I write huge reports, 100-page reports, and I have a huge stake in the, you know, the one-page executive summary that's going to come out of that report and what I'm going to tell the CEO and I, I want him or her to listen. And in order to do that, I've got to be really knowledgeable about what I'm talking about. So I, I think the traits in the CEO is, is to be able to listen, but I put it back also on the person that's presenting and talking to the CEO that you come prepared. You don't, you don't come with just your thoughts. You come with heavily researched and well-thought-out analytic arguments when you're in there. Because time is, <laughs> time is money and time is of the essence when you're talking to CEOs. And I think it's, it's really important to come organized and prepared. And then on the flip side of that is having the CEO, having a CEO or, or talking to a CEO that, that is going to listen to you. That's not thinking, well, you know, my experience, I mean, obviously their experience is important, but that they're also listening to your point of view. So I think having one that listens is, is also, is really important. Um, I, I think one that listens to, uh, you know, I've built my career on training others, and I have a strong, the one piece of advice I always give um, people when I hire them is just to have your own voice. Don't mm -hmm. be talked into what other people tell you, um, So and, and be very confident in what you're saying. And sometimes that takes time to get there, but to me, it's, it's CEOs that will listen to people of all ages and all experiences. Um, the, the one thing that, that always drives me crazy is, oh, you know, they're, they've been doing this for 50 years, so they know more. Well, not always. Um, they have a lot more experience, but it's not always the case. So um, that they listen, that they listen to all types of, of different um, perspectives, I think. And then, and then finally, that they trust you. I think a CEO that trusts what you're saying and trusts what you're doing makes a huge difference. Um, just in your your confidence and your ability to to speak kind of freely and openly. So um, I think those are probably the primary things that I look for when I when I walk into a room. Sometimes you you get a, a CEO that that does open up and listen, and sometimes you don't. But you kind of have to roll with the punches sometimes and see and see how it is. Um, but but being prepared and being confident in what you're talking about goes a long way. I think. Leslie, I had a meeting with CEO not long ago. And really high profile, impressive, you know, resumed person. And I was there to talk about a couple of things, but the main thing I felt like I need to say to them, I'm like, your real estate department's reputation is a dumpster fire. And I, I try to say it more eloquently than that, but I did say it pretty, right. pretty, pretty straight, right? And it was interesting to me that as the conversation broke, um, he wanted to ask me about my watch. Like that, that's, that's really what, it, like me saying this thing, like I'm a professional person. I've been doing this over 30 years and I'm making this sort of powerful statement, I think. And then he's asking me about my watch. And it, in that moment I was like, yeah, I'm done here. I'm going to be kind of nice and I'm going to leave, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to spend one more second on this because this CEO doesn't want to listen. Um, maybe he doesn't trust me. I don't, I don't know. But when it, when you, when you kept saying, it's like, be prepared and trust and listen, what I really took away from that is like, it is both sides. Like, you know, if they're not going to listen to you and they don't trust you and they're not prepared, well, that doesn't work either. So you have to listen and you have to trust and you got to be prepared, but you got to feel that vibe back. And I, you know, it's funny. It's right. like, Leslie, your bio is like ridiculous. I mean, you're, you're extremely well credentialed. Like you, like you read your bio, like, well, she's smart. She knows what she's doing. 
And I'm assuming that's worked to your advantage. And sometimes you walk in a room and people are wowed and, and there's that. But I still got to imagine sometimes you walk in a room and they're not. And so right. you've got to figure out whether to keep investing or pack your bags. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit of what you, what do you do in those situations? You feel like, Ooh, maybe they're not listing or trusting me. What, what do you do? Right. So, so I'm a consultant, I'm a real estate consultant, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes I have to deliver bad news. Just like you said, you know, about the real estate department, I have the same issue sometimes. Sometimes I don't like the project. I don't think it's going to work. Um, and that happens all the time. So, um, not all the time. Sometimes the products are great, right? But but I do kind of walk into a room with those nerves of I've got to deliver some bad news or some some rent or some home prices that this CEO is not going to like or some forecast. Um, so usually I think importantly is, is listening to their point of view. There are cases where you're not going to make headway, and, and sometimes that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's really important is is you work for a company where you're supported in those decisions and that you're trusted by your own CEO to make those decisions, but you got to come in, you know, fully prepared. And sometimes it just, it just doesn't work out. But to me, those are almost the best learning experiences because you kind of pick up, okay, that person was a jerk, but let me just kind of sit down and think why, Um, why were they, why were they criticizing me? Why didn't they believe me And, and listen to it? Sometimes you don't have to agree but but learning how to deal with adversity in those kind of situations just makes you a better a, a better employee, better person, and um, lets you kind of refocus and go into the next one, with, you know, better prepared. So I think being able to take that criticism and those bad experiences probably makes you into a, a better better person all around. I agree with that. I I one time got asked to meet with a residential development group and about being doing the retail forum. And the meeting was going kind of okay, but the guy looked at me and he goes, you need to know that our consumers, they want Neiman Marcus. And I was thinking in my mind, by the way, this was uh, an area of Ocala, just so we're clear about this. Okay. And I was thinking in my mind, I don't think you can get Wawa, like, you know. Right. And I just remember being like, man, we're so far apart. Um, And so... You know, sometimes as a consultant, you know, your job is to tell them they have a beautiful baby. And sometimes I tell them it's their baby's ugly, right? And right. and sometimes right. that's what they need. Like they need somebody to say the hard thing that it kills the deal because it needs to be killed. But if they're not ready, right. if they're not ready to hear it, you know, I get I get that, right? No, so. and my I think my reputation and sort of my business has grown tremendously just based off the fact that I, I say what I what I think. And I'll listen to what you have to say. I will absolutely listen and reconsider um, but I'm but I'm going to stick to you know my analysis is going to be thorough and I'm going to stick to it um, and we can I say I'm a really good fighter we can sit at the table and we can fight it out and and we can do so amicably um, and and that's what I'm that's what I'm good at is is proving my point with a lot of detail and most clients I would say respect that um, but you know you're always going to come to a few that believe what they believe and won't be swayed by anybody. Um, but I think for the most part, just, just again, going back to the kind of being prepared and, and, and believing in what you do and, and being fully ready to, to have a good fight. I say that all the time in, in a very positive way. That's awesome. Well, Leslie, it's interesting because your, your comments today have helped me uh, in real estate world, but it, it also, in listening to you, it's inspiring me in the nonprofit work I do about uh, yes. you know being prepared and having some good, hard confrontation. I, I, I'm a trustee at Florida A&M and uh, I just said this is on public record, but I talked about the importance of having confrontation with kindness. 
And so I think that's yeah. a cool thing. Well, um, Leslie, we got to wrap up. We're going to, we're going to uh, okay. go down into our final segment, but uh, thank you for being our guest and thank you for inspiring me. And thank you for all the good work you're doing uh, out in the, the world of real estate and your research and your consulting. Oh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you. We'll be back for our last segment in just a moment. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally to serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Crossmock Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. As the largest property tax practice in North America, Ryan's professionals possess the local footprint and knowledge backed by a team with national expertise to help organizations minimize their property tax liabilities and ensure valuations are fair and accurate. With the Florida tax appeal deadlines approaching rapidly, local experts at Ryan work proactively with many jurisdictions across Florida well in advance of the August trim notice mailing to ensure our clients receive maximum tax savings. Guys, I use Ryan, and I hope you will too. Once again, here's John Crossman. Mike Gillen, how are you, sir? I am well. Wow, Leslie. another great program, man. Uh, Leslie, oh, she is good. You know, the first part, you know, she's talking about how the residential market keeps going strong in spite of interest rates going up, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And then she's I've never about, understood how it could be doing that. Well, you know, it's again, I think first of it's um, historical. It's not that high for one perspective, but also it's changing demographic trends nationally. And I think it was that was part of her big push is that you know, if somebody's, again, they're living in Chicago and they're nearing retirement age, the interest rate push is not going to keep them from mm-hmm, retiring, mm-hmm, right? Right. Or other reasons like they want to be near grandkids or that kind of movement. And then also talking about that link to affordability, that impacts it as well. You know, when the villages first started ramping up, you had a lot of people come from South Florida and they had bought their house in South Florida, I don't know, paid paid $80,000 for it. And sold it for a million. <laughs> right, right. Or what? well, maybe they say, yeah. let's just say they sold it over 800 grand. And then they buy a house in the villages for 350, right? Like that math works. Mm-hmm. And so you had this big movement back up. And so that same thing is working, I think, in if somebody's from uh, Tampa, Orlando, and then they're going to Lakeland or Melbourne or Deltona, or, you know, there's that kind of movement still happening. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's kind of making sense, right? It's kind of making yeah. sense. So, but listen, that's why you hire Leslie, right? So you want to get real hardcore data to back up mm-hmm. what the trend is. And so I thought that was excellent. And then, uh, the other thing, when she's talking about leadership, about that listening and trust and being prepared, I, I thought that was really good. Spot on. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you know, you and I, let's just say, even if we're on a board at our church and, you know, you and I are like, we're, we're going to go under these changes. It's like, well, are we prepared for that meeting? Are we yeah. prepared? You know, that's, that's a good thing. And then are we listening? And then, you know, do we trust them? Do they trust us? Like that's, I mean, it, it's absolutely true in business, but it's absolutely true if you're on a hospital board or you're working with the homeless or 
Mm-hmm. Those are just core things that are good to reflect on, right? You know, I think what she said about listening to the people that are bringing her, uh, even if she has an idea already kind of formulated in her mind about what needs to happen, mm-hmm. she still is listening to other people and giving them an opportunity to speak something into her that might end up making her feel differently about it. So that kind of openness is so good. Well, I think that if she's somebody that's pro-data, right? So if she's hearing additional data, honest to goodness, there was a consultant one time that did a project for Advent Health, and they were talking about um, demand for retail and stuff like that. And I was doing some work in the same kind of project. And so I went up to them afterwards. I said, you know, Advent Health, their practices, they don't drink alcohol or eat pork and whether that. And the guy goes, really? I'm like, yeah. So if you're telling them that there's demand for X amount of retail space in this project. Did you, did you also put the fact that they're not going to lease to a restaurant that's selling alcohol? And he was like, no. And so I'm like, well, that's a problem, right? So there wasn't full data there, or we dealt with that with the villages all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I told you the story about, we talked to a gym, national gym, and they were like, old people don't work out. It's ridiculous. Old people work out more than anybody else, mm-hmm. but we had to prove data before we can prove the deal right? Your perspective, elderly people, like what does it mean to be, you know, 65 years old? Well, you and I know there are 65 year olds that can throw a javelin, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, remember when Ronald Reagan became president, Yeah, he was so old, right? And now we've got this whole generation that are 10 years older than Reagan. Right. I mean, it's, it's, that's sort of mind blowing. It really is. You know, my father-in-law, he passed away in 22, but he left Kentucky to plant a church, I think he was 72 years old. I'm not that? to plant a church, but to uh, help build a church building program. And you know what that can do. Oh, yeah, sure. That can take a lot out of you. But he, he started that at 72 yeah. and stayed there for three years, then moved back to Kentucky, did wonderfully. Yeah. There's, there's a lot people can do. Right. And so the our perspective of things, you know, like I think it was Bear Bryant, like retired at 65 and dead, was dead at 66. I mean, yeah. so, you yeah. know, we, we had this perspective of people on a rocking chair out front. And so, again, it's just an example of more data. Right. And that's what I see. Leslie is a research consulting data person. Yeah. And you can take that almost anywhere of welcoming more information, right? That's right. You could, you could have a, a dying business or a dying church or a dying nonprofit. And part of that is you're not welcoming in more information. You got a problem. That's right. Right? It's very interesting. All right, my friend, Mike Gillen, thanks for being here with me on the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition, as always. Until next time. This has been the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, with your host, John Crossman. Tune in next week for another talk with an experienced CEO that will help bring clarity to your business endeavors. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.